Welcome to the Buyers Agent Institute podcast, the show that will take you from your nine to five to living a life on your terms. We hear from the experts themselves, sharing how they created their success and give you actionable steps to help you create a lifestyle by design. Becoming a buyer's agent requires passion, dedication, and great mentorship. This podcast will share with you all three so that you can turn buying property into a career. Absolutely. I, I think um, it's an important part of um, training the brain, right? I think uh, I remember a bit of a story about that army general that has been shown up on Facebook a couple of times where he, um, you know, makes his bed in the morning and that's the first win of the day. Mm-hmm. So it kind of reminds me of that when it comes to running each day. I just put a point in time that I'm going to, you know, make that run happen. And normally it's in the morning first thing and it just clears the mind. So having a really good mindset to start off the day is really, and you know, you can just take away some of those inner demons that we all have and um, really start you on a really good part to, um, you know, win the day. We've got, We've got Luke Moroni, who's based in Sydney. Luke's got a very impressive story, in my opinion. opinion. And I'm, I'm sure, sure a lot of other people think the same. He's got, He's got a portfolio of 30 properties in Australia. He's also, He's also got, got a property background. So five years he worked in strata management. For three years he worked as a property coach. And for two years, he's been running his buyer's agent business called Search Party Property. Search Party Property buys strictly investment properties. Luke's, we're going to talk about this today with Luke. I also want you to know that Luke has been running straight for 800 days. He's been running 7Ks a day for 800 days. We're also going to dive into that today. So I'm really excited to introduce Luke. We're not going to handshake because of the coronavirus, but welcome, Luke. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's been a really good journey through property and a great journey, obviously, in, in running because I think you know, mindset is a big part of what we do as investors and as business owners as well. Let's, I agree with that. And I, I'm, I was pretty touched when we caught up in Bondi because you're in Bondi now, so not far from me. And you said you've been running. I've seen online, though, you've been running for 800 days. Mm. How did that actually start? Well, it was just a thought process. I've maybe put on a couple of kilos. I'm not heavy at all or you know, overweight or obese or anything like that. But I just thought I put on a couple of kilos. I need to do something a little bit different. And I wanted to get back into running. I wasn't avid runner. And so I was just like, I'll start out with a, a week of running and just see where I take it from there. Five Ks was a little bit too short and it was like really wouldn't push me and 10 Ks was probably gonna take a, a lot of time during my week. So I just thought, okay, let's do the seven. And um, just started on that progress, did a week. And then I thought, well, I can do longer than that. I was kind of inspired my, by my sister who said she did 100 days of running. I'm like, okay, 100 days, I can do better than that. It's kind of that competitive nature. And uh, I'm just like, I'm gonna do this for a year. So one year turned into two, and now I'm on the third year. It's amazing. I read that book recently, Atomic Habits. Um, everyone's. Oh yeah, it's really good. I heard the guy speak as well. It's really. He's, he's seen, what's it, James Clear? Is that? Yeah, yeah, that's right. He's impressive, and 
it just reminded me when we, we were talking earlier and I thought about your running, just the, the consistency of just doing it every single day. And a lot of people can't maintain from what I'm now researching is habits. Yeah. I guess, I guess in, in that point, it's just no matter what happens in your life, that you can still remain consistent in that. And that, you know, that is above and beyond anything that really happens. And, and we go through all our struggles, even if there is deaths, breakups, things that happen in our lives, that we can still remain consistent no matter what. And, you know, not many people can probably put themselves into that category. And, um, you know, so far in three years of doing um, that running and um, actually doing some Facebook lives, which uh, we, we've talked about before, of doing it consistently daily, of just putting the, putting the uh, phone in front of your face and going, pressing play, pressing you know, record and going live is um, a good way to just push yourself, push those boundaries. I agree, and I'm sure a lot of people who are gonna watch this have seen you live, or I'm sure if they haven't seen you, they're, they're gonna start watching you live. <laughs> but let's talk about the live, because you, you started hitting that three years ago mm. on Facebook, when it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the norm. No. You were going hard then, and I'm assuming, and we haven't talked about this, you must get a lot of organic uh, customers that come through there, is that correct? Yeah, absolutely, and I think what it does do, more than anything else, is builds trust. So if you're remaining consistent and you're showing up each and every day um, on Facebook to tell a story about property or the economy or mindset, um, which is a big one, um, then people start to believe or see who you are. So they don't actually need to meet me to actually know who I am because they see me so often and turning up the same way. And then if, they, if what I say resonates with them, they're gonna come on board. So we don't have a presence in Melbourne but you know, we've still got you know, clients that come from Melbourne on a regular basis because of what happens on social media. Yeah, they're connecting with you mm. and there's an authentic self of you that shows up and they, they resonate and that's, that's human beings, it's connection. Mm. And uh, you know, people buy from people they trust, that they like, and you're obviously giving people what they need through that social platform, right? Yeah, and I think it, it just it widens our audience, right? So before we used to have to get on the phones and make you know, multiple calls and you know, maybe letter drops and things like that. This way you can touch more people in a quicker way and um, be in a consistent way and build that trust. I talked earlier when I was introing you, you went strata management five years, property coach three years, two years your buyer's agent business, which I've been watching from the outside, it seems like it's, it's growing significantly. Mm. Out of the three, is there a preference that you enjoy the most or do you miss something or? Uh, strata management, I probably don't miss. I think, that, you know, on the recent Opal and Mascot Towers, we definitely, um, you know, you could, I could see that 10 years ago, all this happening and, you know, there, there's a whole nother story around that or a whole nother video around that. But, you know, seeing people's uh, financial wealth diminish because of, um, poor building standards was just difficult day, week in, week out to do those annual general meetings and saying we've got to raise levy, mm. levies all the time. So it was really difficult. Being a property coach and then buyer's agent, kind of very similar because then I use other buyer's agents to actually get the product. Just really getting to that, that stance of actually thinking about wealth creation for the people. It's kind of almost like a bit of a savings plan for a lot of people. So they're not spending in other places. And it was like they've put it in property. So they're kind of, for, it's a forced saving. And they're for the people just starting out. But for the people growing, then you can just like, well, you can do this and this and that. Development, renovations, granny flats and all this exciting stuff. And then then you can leave your nine to five job. You know, mm. back, you know, going back, I think I've been out of a nine to five job where I was in oh. strata management. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. There's a bit of a, quit the nine to five. Absolutely. 
Um, well done on that. Um, I didn't even, you know, it just came subconsciously, but um, it, it was an important part. I was like, I can actually get out of that. And I remember people telling me at the time, well, what if it doesn't work? And I was like, well, it's not going to work. And I, I just thought there was, no, there was no thought of a plan B, which I think it's really important to have. But in the back of my mind, I was like, I can always go back to strata management if I want to, but it's not going to happen. Right. That was the whole point of that. It was just like, I am so focused on this. I am going to win at this. And that's, that's going to happen. But you would think the odds of you winning at it are quite high. You, you got a very sizable portfolio, which we'll talk about. I'd like to hear about the first property you bought. Um, however, you know, you'd been immersed in property already. It's actually going back then, I only had five properties. Oh, so when you, when, you, when you started the BA business? Well, when I left my nine to five job. You had five, which is still, I mean, 4% of Australian investors, you know, uh, own more, you know, own, I think is it, they own less than four properties. Yeah, well, there's, there's only 20,000 people in Australia that yeah. have six or more properties. Yeah. So that's less than 1%. So yeah, I was pretty close to that number. And, you know, the numbers are very small when it grow, you know, grows over, you know, past one property investment. So, yeah. you know, I, I think back then I was taking a, a fair sizable risk in that time. Um, of actually leaving my nine to five job, leaving that security. Uh, but it actually, I was just so focused on it and, the, and, and what I had in place and, and what the growth plan was, was very focused. And I spent, you know, number of hours going to seminars, reading video, uh, <laughs> watching videos, reading books, mm. and just so focused on that. And I'll be the first one at a seminar and the last one to leave. So just, you know, l probably leeching out on all the experts that are out there. Yeah. And then just trying to help them out as well. So, you know, take and then give back as well. So I think All about giving. So I said earlier, I mean, it was 4% um, of Aussie investors own four or more properties. Oh, yeah. So you were sitting, just recapping, like already well above average. Mm. So, you know, I, I think you coming into this space as a buyer's agent, starting your company, I mean, you are in a good position to mm. start helping people. Yeah, absolutely. So good, really good experience, um, you know, really good knowledge around markets and things like that. I've had the, the issues when I first started and you mentioned about my first property. Yeah. That was a big one for me, um, not realizing what I was doing, uh, trying to do everything on my own. And this is why it's so good to see so many more buyers agents out there now because it's creating more awareness for the general public to say, try and you know look to use the experts because they can actually help you so much more than trying to do it yourself and you're probably going to lose you know 50 100 200 grand out of a deal because you bought in the wrong area at the wrong time or you've bought the wrong property in the wrong area yeah a videographer who no one can see right now he's he, he's looking to buy his first property and i said you got to be careful you got to be careful so that one you first bought that was in blacktown yes and it wasn't a good one no, uh, the reason for that is uh, I bought it back in 2002. It was pretty close to the peak of the market. So you kind of uh, look at the 2017 market when things peaked at that time. Uh, and then we've seen, you know, past 2017, probably a 15% drop in Sydney, then followed by a five of 10, you know, probably 10% increase now. Now, past that 2002 going on the next 10 years, there was very little growth, if not any growth in the market. So if I sold, I would have lost money on that deal, you know, stamp duty, selling costs and all that. And even, you know, probably would have dipped 25 to 50 grand, especially if I was a motivated seller. Yes. And a lot of people did sell during that time. They bought in 2002 or 2003 and sold in 06, 07, 08, you know, through GFC and was like, oh, I'm gonna get out. And then I've had bad tenants. Um, but having that patience to go through that journey, I actually try to manage my tenants on my own. 
and uh, for the first couple of years and that was a disaster as well. So it was like problem after problem after problem and all I thought about in the back of my mind is, you know, mum and dad said, okay, you know, it's a 50 year journey, you just hold the property, it grows yes. and just focus on that and not worry about the ebbs and flows of it. So, you know, and I probably wasn't, I was probably a little bit naive about it as well. I was like, yeah, I'm still working, I can still afford it. That's okay, it's not gonna, you know, be detrimental to me. Um, so then after that, after having that experience, I was like, I've got to do this differently. And the more people I spoke to and the more seminars I went to, it was like, and then I go to these seminars and there's people that with five properties, 10, 15, 20. And I'm like, yes, I want some of that. Yeah. And that's, and then, you know, it was the next day I got on the phone, organized a meeting with people. And then, you know, then the massive growth started back in probably 2011, 2012. Great. And I mean, you're obviously very thirsty to learn. You're saying you're the last one leaving seminars, you know, clearly a student mindset, which, which I really value. You've engaged buyers agents, right? And I, I love it when I see buyers agents like you come into the industry who own property with experience and you've actually gone through the experience of seeing a va the value mm. of a buyer's agent because as you were talking about earlier, buyer's agents are growing and I'm, I'm trying to grow them and we've got that abundance mindset, you and I, and we, mm. we share the same values there. The general public don't know what buyers agents are really when we think about it, right? Well, that's where you're creating more awareness by you know having more people on the ground to do it. Um, that's where us putting our information on social media is creating more awareness around it. And I think um, you know we could get to the point where the in, like in the US where there is every transaction involves a selling agent, a buyers agent. And I think the more people that are out there and doing it, the more it will create the more opportunities that we'll have to actually get business. And then, you know, uh, when it comes to that point, the cream will rise to the top, right? So the best of the best will be known out there. So if you work hard and you build a strong business, then you can actually get success. So, you know, I think that's, you know, going back to your whole learning point, you know, I'm doing various things all the time where it's, you know, listening to Gary Vee and attending Tony Robbins events. And it's, it's always a whole thing about mental health and mindset and personal development journey. And I think for all of us that we've got to realize that. So, you know, that comes out of, you know, watching videos like this, seeing what the experts are doing and, you know, following in their path. You don't need to reinvent the wheel like Tony Robbins and Gary Vee have already created it for us, right? It's true. And I want to touch on something because when I speak to people who are looking to become buyers agents who, you know, whether they own five or, or less, a lot of them don't own five properties, I always tell them that what can happen is your portfolio can start to grow more because you're getting exposed to more mm -hmm. stock, your relationships with agents start to tighten and, you know, we make good money, let's not um, hide that, um, it is lucrative. And so as a result of a byproduct, you buy more property for yourself, right? Yeah, you found that? Yeah, I found that. Our actually first deal that we came about was up in Brisbane. It was, it's a potential, well, it is a development site. And um, I bought it, um, you know, when we just started our company. And it was, I bought it for 575000 The valuations on RP Data right now I'll probably say, um, you know, somewhere between 730 and 750. So I've made 150 grand by not doing anything yeah. to the property in like 12 or 18 months. So, you know, that's when you can actually, you know, get on top of these deals yourself. And the more you get for yourself, the more you build relationship with the agents. And then the more you can do deals that are, are great. And, and I think, you know, think about the collaboration side, which we discussed on a, uh, on a video the other night, is, you know, whole, you know get together with other people, um, have that abundance mindset about it. And, you know, you can actually build on, on the back of that. Uh, and the more and more people think about fees and charges and whatever that you can create, maybe you almost 
act like a, an apprentice or an internship for a year and go through that process and then get to a point where you're actually then you, you're the expert. It's a long journey. Like, yeah. you know, if you want to be here for that quick bark as a buyer's agent, you're probably in the wrong um, arena. Well, I don't think you're in any, any good arena at all. Correct. It's a long-term game. It's a long-term game and it's hard work, like with anything. I mean, I talk about quit the nine to five, but it's not about you work less. It's you get to choose your own hours as an agent, I think, as a buyer's agent. You can it's be flexibility. Able, it's flexibility. Like at Strata Management, I'm assuming you didn't have flexibility. Like, boys, I'm off for a swim. You can't do that. Not at all. Not at all. So I actually used to come in at 7 a.m. in the morning. I'd be the first one to turn the lights on. So I'd be there for two hours and I actually got all the job orders out. So my buildings were service first in terms of repairs and maintenance. And then I'd go off to have a, you know, a coffee for a half an hour, but I was you know, not leading a good example for the other staff, but not leading a good example in going to the cafe for half an hour, but leading a good example in terms of coming into work in, at seven o'clock in the morning. So you know, there, there's difference of opinions in terms of like how management th thinks about things and how other staff think about things. They don't lead from or follow the, the whole path about turning up at 7 a.m. They, they, they follow the whole thing about people turning up at the cafe for half an hour and being out of their jobs for that long. So it is interesting how those, um, that flexibility works. And it's one reason why I've, you know, um, come out of that, quit the nine to five and then, and then come out to do work because then I'm working on a Saturday or Sunday night, whatever it might be. And if I feel like working, I will work. If I need to go out and do other things in my life, I will. But you love it. I absolutely love it. So like having a chat to a client on a Saturday night or whatever, it doesn't feel like work, I'm assuming, right? No. The best thing you can do is just be out there and, and talk about property and wealth creation and mindset. I, I think they're the deeper conversations that you really want to have with people, but I, I really enjoy having those deep conversations and thinking about building someone's um, wealth, you know, wealth and life and path and where they want to you know, get to and then create some of that choice that they want in their life. What, what do they really want to do in their mm -hmm. life? What, you know, it goes back to what's your why and all those things. But if you took away all the money and everything, what would you really want to do? And I actually volunteer. Um, I do a little bit of uh, volunteering with Lifeline. And that goes, you know, very closely related to some of the property and wealth creation strategies because some of the issues that do, well, a significant amount of issues, and I think it's about 40 or 50% of the issues in mental health are because of financial stress. Really? Yeah, so, and that's going to be evident, I think, in the next couple of months that really will come up. So, uh, you know, I've been talking a lot on social media, get your health and your wealth, you know, ready and prepared, because I think it's a, an important time for us to think about, you know, our immune systems and things like that with all the coronavirus, but also think about our wealth. So what are our cash buffers in place as individuals, as businesses, um, as employees? and just think about you know, um, maybe refinancing loans, pulling out some of that equity so you have it as an extra buffer. So it's all these things that we can do, and I talk about them on a regular basis, but I think it's more important right now. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm interesting, I was, this morning I was refinancing, pulling out equity and things, just getting it all set, because you're right, like, who knows, there's a lot of uncertainty going on um, globally. Um, mm. We can only control our effort and what we, is in our means, but I guess, I always try and look at the opportunities with, oh. with what's going on as well. Everyone's focused on the negatives and distractions. It's better time to buy now. Well, that's why I sort of think about drawing out that equity, right? Yeah. You, if, you know, if you have that cash available, imagine, imagine you can be a cash buyer and take you know, a, a $300,000 property and buy it for two twenty dollars yeah. or two hundred. 
you know, and that is an opportunity that will come up and they don't come up that often. So back in the GFC, there, I was just talking about yesterday, they're um, a company in the US called Blackstone. Yep. Uh, they made all their wealth during the GFC and, you know, they're the richest, uh, well, the largest landowner in the US as a family right now. So it's significant if you yeah. take those opportunities when they present and they only come around like every 10, 15 years. So get yourself prepared, get yourself ready and, um, you know, think about what you can do now and then into the future. Yeah, Buffett says be greedy when others are fearful. Be fearful when others are greedy. And it's but you gotta prepare. You gotta prepare. And then, and then execute. So let's quickly talk about search party property. Mm. So you guys predominantly buy in Queensland? Yeah, most of the deals are up in Brisbane, yes. IPs, investment properties? Yep. Yep. Your clients, are they coming from Australia wide? They're Australia wide. We're actually seeing a lot in Melbourne, which is really super interesting um, coming through. Um, we're getting a lot in Sydney and then, you know, um, you know, quite a few in, in Brisbane as well. Outside of obviously connection with you, in terms of their issues as to why they think they need a buyer's agent, what are, what, what are typically the reasons you're, you're hearing? Or the uh, they're, they're really focusing on, people are starting to understand that expertise is needed. Yeah. You know, they see so many people make mistakes in property. The other one is people that are time poor. Mm. I don't have the time to research. And, I, you know, do people really know what they're looking at when they're looking at realestate.com.au or domain.com.au? Do they really know? No. no. I, when I started um, Cohen Hand and got into the space 10 years ago, I, I, I was a young guy, but I was always just dumbfounded by why are buyers like revealing all their cards to real estate agents? And like treating real estate agents like they represent them. When the real estate agent represents the vendor, legally obligated to get the vendor at the highest price, why are buyers like, and so I'd never quite understood it. Then when I went to the US, I didn't even know buyers agents existed at that stage. And so I think a lot of people here just really don't really understand their role when buying property. No. And a lot of them are very uneducated. And have, as you said, they, they look at a comparable sheet and open, the, the agents just fluffed it all up to make their listing look good. And they go, this is what it is. And they accept it. Well, they're, they're trying to tap into the emotions of the buyer. And for us, it's about you know, knowing the numbers on the deal mm. and looking to get a discount on that property or attractive terms on the property to actually make it a deal. Yes. And um, you know, that's what, or being the opportunity to get in first, right? So a lot of the deals that are being done, I'm, I'm sure in the home buyer space, like obviously we're in the investment space, but a lot of the deals done on the home buyer space are pre-market, off-market type of deals that come through because you've got strong relationships. So people are acknowledging that more so now, the strong relationship that we have, and we're getting deals before they actually go onto the, the open market. I think as buyers agents having access to whether it's off, pre-market, on-market, or if it's price, whatever, whatever it is, just having access to all of it mm. is a big reason why they use us and your relationship with the agents. It is. Like um, my business partner Mark's been up in Brisbane buying property for the last 10 years. Yeah. You know, you don't develop those relationships, relationships overnight. And people that ask me, I was like, you know, I'm looking at becoming a buyer's agent. And I go, go and do a thousand property inspections. Yeah. You know, get on the ground. Get out there. Get out there and, and start developing the relationships and what you're gonna learn is, is so important. So yeah, get the, the theory um, ideas and the, and, and the community around what you're doing as, as, a, as the institute and then look at getting yourself out there. Open inspection after open inspection. I've probably done, I don't know, two, 3,000 open inspections mm -hmm. in my life. And I remember buying that, not the first property in Blacktown, but the second property I bought in Blacktown 
I ended up buying that at auction. I was the only person who attended that particular auction. So I got a really good deal on that. But it took me eight weeks to get to that point and doing 12 inspections each day for eight weeks. Saturday after Saturday after Saturday, building the relationships with the agent. They got sick of me by the end and was like, buy a property. Yeah, but you had done the work. You obviously learned from the first property, I'm assuming, in terms of maybe some stuff that went wrong. Well, the timing aspect, you know, how markets were going and seeing all the reports coming through that, you know, Western Sydney was up for growth and it had, you know, years, 10 years of, of um, you know, bad times out there. And, you know, cash flows were increasing. So it was all leading towards getting, you know, really good deals at that time. So yes. I was able to you know, take advantage of that time. A lot of people in that, that area were kind of focused on getting the granny flat deal. So they were high competition in those areas, even though they've done extremely well, but I didn't want to get away from the competition and I found something kind of similar, but it had a pull at the back. So the granny flat uh, opportunity wasn't there and it would have cost me too much. So just buying the regular house with a pool worked just as well as a granny flat deal. Yeah, it's, just, it's amazing, obviously, I'm sure the deal flow that you're presenting to clients is, is opportunistic. Um, you're getting access to so much good stuff because you guys, like Mark's been on the ground there for 10 years buying with, with what you've done yourself with your company. So I guess as we finish up now, where can, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have seen you, but where can people find you if they want to see more of you? You can find me everywhere. <laughs> No, um, so Facebook, Luke Maroney, um, just have a look. There's a red t-shirt and it actually says hustle on it. That's Gary V's t-shirt. Maybe I'll have to change that up. Uh, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, my email is Luke Maroney, uh, sorry, Luke at searchpartyproperty.com.au. And then, you know, uh, give me a call. Like uh, I, I post our numbers on all our social media. So, you know, reach out. Ha happy yeah. to talk to people who are just starting out. Happy to talk to people about joint deals. Um, happy to just talk to people about mindset, lifeline, running, whatever. Yeah, you're an inspiring guy. I'm a big fan of you. I won't shake your hand because the coronavirus, you know, everyone, <laughs> I found that out this morning, don't shake. Um, but I really appreciate you being here and hearing your story. I mean, it's, it's remarkable what you've done. And even when you're saying quitting the nine to five from the strata management, just backing yourself and getting out there and starting a business and following your passion. Guys, as we wrap up, if you haven't seen Luke, check him out on the channels that are on the TV, on showing you now, just check him out. He's very diligent and disciplined and consistent with what he does. And so you'll see a lot of content coming from him, super knowledgeable, obviously 30 properties, great buyer's agent business. You can learn a lot from him. See you next week. find out more about how you can become a stellar buyer's agent yourself, head to www.buyersagentinstitute.com.au.